Open your Bibles with me to the book of Titus, Titus chapter 1, and if you would get Titus chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 20, so Titus chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 20, it really is exciting to see a young man like Tim Stevens and what God is doing there in Hannibal, Missouri, and You know, this church has been here for almost 65 years, and we want... One of the things that... This is a really powerful introduction, isn't it? I've got about 50 things on my mind. With the ministry that God has given me, so Grace Baptist Church, the Ancient Baptist Press, so the, the journals, the writing, the material that's going around the world, here's the heart behind it. We all believe that Jesus Christ could return at any moment. Isn't that right? We, we believe that He could return just at any moment. There's nothing else that has to happen before Jesus Christ could come back. And that is our hope. That's our expectation. You've heard before that, you know, when I was a young man, I used to... I, I really wanted the Lord to wait so I could get married. And now that I'm married, I say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus, right? <laughs> but uh, we do believe... Yeah, she's down here saying amen. I don't know what that means. but <laughs> So we as a church, we do believe with all our hearts that the Lord could return at any moment, and especially when you see what's going on in the world. I mean, it's just we do believe that that could happen. But what if He chooses not to return for another 100 years, another 200 years? You know, if you look back at what was going on in the year 1900, at, that, at the turn of that century... Um, uh, Thelma, what was that like back then? Just, if, if you look back at that, at that time period and you look at what was going on in the world, it was, the, the world was collapsing. Then World War I comes in and really, if you look at the literature of that time, people really expected the Lord to return at any moment and He could have. He could have. But now, <laughs> look at it again, Right? But what if he chooses not to come back for another 100 or 200 years? What kind of church will there be in Sydney, Ohio? What kind of churches will we have around the world if the Lord chooses not to return? See, God didn't tell us to change the world. He said, occupy until I come. And the way that we occupy is by establishing New Testament churches where people are saved, they're baptized, they're fed in in doctrine, they grow up in the Word, and then they're sent out to do ministry. And that has been the heart and the passion of Grace Baptist Church for all of these years since it was started as the fundamental Baptist Church all those years ago out of Temple Baptist in Detroit, Michigan. So when Pastor Hovestrike came and started this church, the passion was to have a lighthouse in Sydney, Ohio, to lead people to Christ, train them in the Scriptures, and send them out to do it again around the world. That's still the heart of what we're doing. So what is Grace 2.0 about? What is this reset that we're looking at? Go to Titus chapter 1 and look at verse 5. For this cause, so this is Paul writing to, to, to Titus, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. So remember what had happened. The Apostle Paul had gone to an area and he had led people to Christ, but there was no one qualified to pastor the church. 
So he had left them with the scriptures. They'd left the, he'd left them with the Holy Spirit indwelling them. And they would gather together and they would minister to each other. But two things happened. Number one, the cream always rises to the top. God raised up leadership in those churches from within those bodies. And secondly, there was trouble. Because every organization needs a head. Someone has to be in charge. If any organism has more than one head, it's a monster. Right? Brother, Brother Tim was telling us, Brother Stevens was telling us in Sunday school that what you have to have to start a church is you need a sending church for authority, you need an ordained pastor, and you need about a million dollars. And so when he started the church there, they had the first two. They had a sending church, they had an ordained pastor. And he said, can you imagine a church without a pastor? And it's so funny, when you were saying that, I was thinking about this. That's what they had in Crete. And so Paul sent Titus to ordain elders in every city as he had appointed. And how had he had appointed? It goes on, and we looked at it last week, the kind of men that God wanted to lead those churches, all right, and to set things in order. But this is the nature of life. It's the nature of ministry, and it's called entropy. If you leave things to themselves, they don't get better. Everything tends from order to disorder. Is that right? Churches, their ministries don't automatically improve. They degenerate. And it doesn't matter whatever the intentions of the people are. It doesn't matter. Leadership, it is important for leadership to examine every area and make sure that things are in order. 1 Corinthians 14.40 says, Let all things be done decently and in order. That's talking about a church service. Let all things be done decently and in order. Paul sent Titus to set things in order. What we're looking at this year at Grace Baptist Church is every area of ministry. Last week we looked at discipleship. We'll recap that a little bit at the end. But this morning we're looking at ministry 2.0. Ministry 2.0. How are we doing as a church? Um, I, I read an article. There's a man, his name's Tom Rayner. And he is kind of a, a church administration and church growth guru. Okay, and so he studies churches from all over the United States, Baptist churches like ours, and he finds areas of weakness and areas of strength. And he did this, 10 warning signs of an inwardly obsessed church. 10 signs. Now, how many of you want us to be an inwardly obsessed church? No, I want you to see how we're doing. All right. The first warning sign is worship wars. Worship wars, and that is that you have different factions in the church that want different kinds of services. We don't have that trouble. Now, Nick Arling would like smoke machines and, and all of that, you know, mosh pit. But other than Nick, we're doing great for ministry. Um, prolonged minutia meetings. Well, we don't have this trouble. You know, there are churches that vote over whether or not to buy staples. Can you imagine? And you would, you'd spend your time doing nothing but worrying about those, those issues. We don't have that trouble here. Uh, then facility focus, and that is where the entire focus of the ministry is on the buildings. And, you know, I watched a show yesterday. I like watching woodworking shows. And they went to Holy Name Cathedral in Chicago. And the whole idea was look at, look at what our beautiful building is. I could show you book after book after book in my office on his, the history of churches. So there's the, I've got the history of First Baptist Church in Dayton, the history of First Baptist Church in Cleveland. And what happens is they start off as lighthouses preaching the gospel, and they end up, the, the, the way that these books end up, where did we get our organ? Who paid for the tower? So the, the, it becomes 
a focus on the facility. We don't have that. Now, we care about our building. It's, it's good stewardship, right? And, you know, somebody's got to pay to keep the lights on, but that's not the focus of our ministry. Program-driven. Program-driven. Um, Tom Rayner, the man who put this list together, he wrote a book called Simple Church. And what churches needed to do was get rid of a lot of the stuff they were doing and just focus on the Great Commission. That's what needs to happen. Well, we're not program-driven. We have children's ministry, and we have discipleship, and we have young people's ministry, and we preach the gospel. That's, that's, we're not program-driven. We have a focus, and we'll talk about some of that as we go. And then inwardly focused budget. Um, one of the problems with these inwardly obsessed churches is they don't give to missions. Well, we give to missions. That's a big part. Next week, we're going to look at some more of that. Then the, the number six, inordinate demands for pastoral care. And what this is talking about is just people constantly making demands on the pastor's time for petty things. Now, when there's a serious issue, people need their pastors. Amen? It's very important. But just pettiness, we don't have that here. That's, that's not a problem. I never feel like there are too many demands on my time. Um, it, it, that's, that's a real blessing. And you know what that does? It frees me up to minister to you who have genuine needs. That's, that's God's plan. Why, why do we not have this? Because of discipleship. A lot of those needs are, needs are cared for by the discipleship relationships. Then, attitudes of entitlement. Well, I've been in this church for so long, this is my chair. Well, there used to be my pew, but those pews are gone. And, so, and then the chairs, we'll just shuffle them around so you don't know which one was yours anyway. But uh, So we, we don't have that kind of stuff. You know that there are churches in England back in the day... People would buy their pew, or their, and it was a box, and their name would be on it. And there was a, there was a, a preacher who kind of went against the status quo. And so the people didn't come, and they wouldn't let anybody else sit in their seats. So he'd have to preach to people sitting on the floor in the aisles. That honored God, right? It's just people are crazy. We don't have that issue. We don't have that problem. Then greater concern about change than the gospel, uh, trying, always trying to be culturally relevant. Now, we have to be able to influence the culture, amen, but the culture doesn't drive what we do here at Grace Baptist. The Word of God does. So we don't really have that problem. Anger and hostility, anger and hostility, we don't have that. There, there's, a, there's a spirit of peace and joy. We don't, so this is not a problem for us. And then evangelistic apathy. Evangelistic apathy. Now, I'm going to be talking about this a little bit today, but honestly, we are an incredibly healthy church. Isn't that a blessing? I don't know if we're awake or not. We are an incredibly healthy church. Amen. Amen. We are an incredibly healthy church. Amen. Amen. And it's exciting to see what God is doing here. And what we want to do is we want to foster... Uh, an atmosphere of celebration and joy in what God is doing. That's what we want to do. And so we are an incredibly healthy church. Here's the dichotomy that happens in churches today. And remember, we're talking about ministry 2.0. Do we focus on the Great Commission or the Great Commandment? Okay, so let's look at those so we know what we're talking about. Go to Matthew chapter 28. Here's the Great Commission, Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, if you look under the chair in front of you, there's a, there's a Bible provided. So um, let's make sure that you have a Bible because we're going to be all over the Scriptures today. Matthew chapter 28, look at verse 18. 
And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, do you believe Jesus Christ is here today? Amen. Amen. Do you believe Jesus Christ is here today? Amen. Amen. Can you imagine Jesus Christ looking around? Where's the rest? There's like three people think I'm here today. Right? We do believe that He's with us. He's, he indwells us. And He is a part of our worship. And so it's really important that you see this. The Great Commission is God's plan for the church. There's no doubt about it. What about the Great Commandment? Go to, go to Mark chapter 12. Look at verse 30. Well, look at the end of verse 28. He's asked the question, which is the first commandment of all? So drop down to verse 30. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, help us to understand your word today. And Lord, help us to understand the purpose of ministry and our place in it. Please, Lord, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, when people ask about the great commandment, this is what they're talking about. But we did, how many of you noticed that we skipped over a verse? Okay, so let's not skip over it. Look at verse 29. And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So loving God, you know, you can love an entity that you have created in your own mind. That's not the same thing as loving God. There's only one true God. That is the God that we worship. There's only one true God. That's the God that we love. And we know how to worship Him and how to love Him because He has revealed Himself through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. Is that right? And so when we have heard the Word of God, then we know how to love Him. And once we know how to love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then we know how to love our neighbor. And that is, we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. We, don't, we really don't have trouble loving ourselves. But we're supposed to, that's how we are supposed to love our neighbors. I love the gauge. We don't, God doesn't tell me to love my neighbor as much as I love him. He wants me to love my neighbor more than that. He knows us. Isn't that interesting? He knows us. Because we might think we're worshiping Him and loving Him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We may think that, but do we love Him as much as we love ourselves? That's the, that's the gauge that we're given. That's how husbands are told to love their wives, right? Love your wives as you love your own bodies, guys. You, know, you feed it and nourish it. And as I look around, you guys really do love yourselves. That's how much you're supposed to love your wives. That, it, it, and God gives us those measurements so that we can know what to do. And so now the question is, are we going to be a great commission church where we are, we're focused on going out and reaching people and evangelizing them, giving them the gospel, seeing them saved, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all things? Or are we going to be a great commandment church? Are we going to be a, an evangelistic church or are we going to be a loving church? No, we need to be a great commission church and a great commandment church. 
If I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and if I love my neighbor as myself, I want my neighbor to go to heaven. I love you, but go to hell. That doesn't make any sense. And so as a, as a church, we want to have both. And I do believe that we at Grace Baptist, and it's my fault, but we at Grace Baptist, I feel like we have, you know, if this is level, that we have tilted on the inward focus of doctrine and, and knowledge and grounding and discipleship, okay? So now here's the problem. Here's what I want us to do. So if this is where our teaching and, and knowledge, doctrine, and discipleship is, we don't want to do, and, and this is where our loving our neighbors is, we don't want to do this. We want to do this with this all the way at the top. What did God say? He's magnified. God said, I have magnified my word above all my name. And so we want to magnify His Word. We want to magnify His name. And then we want our doctrine and our love for our community, for our neighbors, to match what we believe about God. And that's the whole concept behind Grace 2.0. How are we going to do this? How are we going to do it? Go to Matthew chapter 20 and look at verse 28. The reason... The reason for this, this focus in ministry. And the reason that I went through that 10 signs of an inwardly uh, obsessed church is this. We're not that. So the reset isn't that you people stink. That's not, that's not what it is. It's God has really blessed us here at Grace Baptist Church. But there are some things that need to be set in order. How many, honestly, before we go anywhere, how many of you believe we could do a better job in outreach at Grace Baptist? Would you raise your hand? How many of you believe we could do better? That's all we're talking about. That, that, that's all that this is. Ministry 2.0. You, you want to make an independent Baptist preacher nervous? This has happened in the last couple of weeks. What's, you know, I'll be talking to a preacher on the phone. Wait, what are you guys doing at Grace Baptist? Well, we're getting ready for Ministry 2.0. We're rethinking every area of ministry. And it gets real quiet on the other end. They think they're going to be preaching in shorts and a Hawaiian shirt and Birkenstocks. You know? they, 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 they think that, that that's the kind of change that we're talking about. How many of you would prefer it if I did not wear shorts? How many of you would prefer that? Okay. You are just jealous. You haven't seen my legs, I guarantee you. Okay, now. How <laughs> I many of you are thankful that you haven't seen my legs? Yeah. All right. So why are we doing what we're doing? What is the direction that we're going to go? Look at Matthew chapter 20 and verse Let's start in verse uh, 26. But it shall not be so among you. And what is that? Well, the, the princes of the Gentiles have exercised great authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever... Now, now minister. Do you see a, a relationship to ministry there? Right? That's where the word comes from. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. Here's what, here's what, Grace, here's what ministry 2.0 is about. It's about changing our focus. Have you ever hiked up a mountain? Who here, you've, ever, you've hiked up a mountain, Bell Fountain or something, right? No, I mean a real mountain. You've hiked up a mountain. Not very many. Here's what, you, and this is an interesting experience. Man, it, it, you get tired. 
And so you're going up this trail and you're, you're walking and you're walking and you're walking. And eventually you stop and you look and you're saying, man, I've got so much, so much farther to go. And you turn around and all of a sudden you see this unbelievably, un- unbelievable scene, this beautiful scene. What we need to do at Grace Baptist is when, when it's truth, 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 truth. Well, you can never climb that mountain of truth. You'll never arrive. Right? You'll never arrive. And all of a sudden, you turn around, you change your focus, and you see all that God has done and all that God wants you to do and all that God has prepared you to do. That's the idea. It's the idea of changing our focus. Look at verse 28. Even as the Son of Man, that's Jesus, and when you see that you know, Son of God, that is demonstrating that Jesus Christ is God. Son of Man, that's God in the flesh. Okay? Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto... Now think about that. Should Jesus be ministered unto? Of course. This is humility. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. A ransom. That is, you know, you've seen that on TV. Somebody gets kidnapped and you pay a ransom. Well, you are kidnapped by sin. And Jesus Christ came and paid you a ransom. And what was the price? His own death on the cross. So here's what I want you to see. What has Jesus done? The reason that we need this focus, this this ministry focus, is because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. It would be impossible for you to give up what Jesus gave up. Jesus has done more for you than you could ever do for Him. Isn't that right? So what did He do? He gave His life as a ransom for us. Do you, can, here, here's the good. Here's what I want you to say out loud. First of all, how many of you are saved? If you're saved, raise your hand. You know Jesus Christ is your Savior. Okay, so if you're saved, here's what I want you to say. I'm free. Listen, I'm free. Okay, on three. Let's, let's act like you care. One, two, three. I'm free. Why? Because Jesus Christ paid your ransom. The second thing I want you to say is, I'm safe. Ready? One, two, three. I'm safe. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, we do CCW classes. And, you know, I like to give the gospel at those. You know, if you were shot today, do you know for sure that you would go to heaven? And one of the big things about the CCW class, before you ever get out to shoot, it's all about safety. Right, Dave? Josh, where's Josh? Wave at me, Josh. There you are. It's all about safety. That's where you start. I don't care about safety. I want to go shoot something. Right? Ready, shoot, aim. What God does is He takes that zeal and He shows us how to focus that zeal. The Bible talks about people have zeal but not according to knowledge. Right? So God takes that zeal and He focuses it. And and it is important that we understand safety, but there's no more important safety feature than salvation. The blood of Jesus Christ can make you free, make you safe. So what did Jesus do for you? He made you free and He made you safe. Here's the good news. If you're saved, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. Don't we need to say that a whole lot more than we do? You know, any, don't raise your hands, but how many of you believers, don't raise your hands here, how many of you believers struggle with guilt? That's because the closer we get to God, the more we see our own sinfulness. Well, God doesn't want you to be guilty. He wants you to be free. 
He wants you to confess your sin. If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He wants us to live in this constant, perpetual state of peace and liberty and joy. The Bible says, but the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, which comes from Jesus, and peace. When When I have the righteousness from Christ and I know I'm at peace with Him, then I can have the joy of the Holy Ghost. We as Christians, we ought to be happy. We ought to be joyful. Our services ought to be a celebration of what Christ has done for us. Why? Because we're free and we're safe. We're free and we're safe. So the reason for this change in focus, this change from inward to outward, is because of what Jesus has done for us. Secondly, because of what Jesus Christ has called us to do. He didn't call us to sit on chairs. Right? He called us to give somebody else the gospel. He called us to change what we are doing, and that's not always comfortable. Um, I heard a man say recently, excellence is rarely comfortable. Excellence is rarely comfortable. It takes work. What has he called us to do? He's called us, first of all, to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he's called us to love our neighbors as ourselves. How can you say that you love your neighbor as yourself and never give him the gospel? I remember when I gave my neighbor the gospel, we invited them over. And to our shame, it had taken too long for that to happen. But we did it. So we invited them over. We had some food and we're sitting in, our, in a room and um, I gave him the gospel. Well, she was saved. He wasn't. He prayed to receive Christ and he got done. Now, this is a businessman. He got done and he said, I feel all clean inside. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? Right down here when we lived here on Edgewood Street, Lloyd, our neighbor, older gentleman, I led him to Christ. And now neither one of these folks have have been in church, but it's not about getting them in church. It's about getting them in heaven. And then God will take care of the rest of that. You know what I'm talking about? We have to have this passion to, to... Tell people. If we love them, then we have to tell them about Jesus. That's that's where it's got to start. And so the reason, because of what Jesus has done for us and then what He's called us to do, and then how Jesus has called us to do it. Do you know that we're not allowed to do ministry the way that we want to do it? See, we're under authority. Remember what the centurion said to... To Jesus, I am a man under authority. We are supposed to be people under authority. And the authority that we're under is the head, Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.18, and He has made Him to be the head of all things concerning the body. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the head of all things pertaining to the church. He's the head of it. And so we can't do ministry just the way, well, I think we ought to. I think we ought to. Now, here's where this is very important. God... If you're saved, God has gifted you for ministry. Do you all believe that? If you're Again, we have like three people. How many of you believe that if you're saved, God's gifted you for ministry? Amen. Yeah, and part of that is that God gives you ideas for ministry. So I'm not saying that your ideas aren't important. What I'm saying is His ideas are more important than your ideas. Right? So we need to make sure that the idea that we have is coming from Him and not from us because there have been some really bad ideas for ministry. And I've had a bunch of them. The key is to make sure that what we're doing 
is what Christ wants us to do. So here, here's two components. How does God want us to do ministry? With our whole heart. With our whole heart. When we look at this concept of wholehearted ministry, Jesus said in, in James, or the Bible says in James 1.8, that the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The double-minded man. So we're not supposed to be double-minded. We're supposed to be what? Single-minded. Now, that was a tough question for some of you this morning. I can tell. We're not supposed to be double-minded. We're supposed to be single-minded. And to be single-minded, that means that we have a focus. So let me ask you a question. How is your focus for ministry? Where, you know, if the scale is from 1 to basically no focus to 10, absolute focus, where would you put your focus for ministry? Is it with your whole heart or is your ministry divided? How are we going to do this? How are we going to... Now, I know some of you are thinking, man, I don't have time to do one more thing. And now you're telling me that I've got to do more ministry. No, no, don't worry. Relax. Don't relax too much. You'll go to sleep. But just, just relax. With our whole heart and then with joy. Again, on that scale, with one, no joy, and ten, full and complete joy in Christ, where is your joy scale? And where is your joy scale when it comes to ministry? Are you happy with where you are in ministry? Is God fulfilling you with where you are in ministry? So the reason, because of what Jesus has done for us, what he's called us to do, and how Jesus called us to do it with our whole heart and with joy. But let's look at the reality. The reality. Go to 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I know for some of you, because you know me, you're listening and you're along for the ride and you're thinking, what is he going to ask me to do at the end of this? <laughs> because I know he's leading me somewhere and I don't know if I want to go there. Don't worry. All right? I think that when, you, when we're done, you'll see that this is what God has for us. All right? So what, what is the reality? Well, the first reality that I want us to look at is what time is it? Now, it's like 1120. That, that's not what I mean. Look at 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee, and that's to give nourishment and, and, and comfort. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of of salvation. So what time is it? It's time to get saved. If you're here and you're not saved yet, it's time to get saved. And here's what happens to people. Some people say, well, after I'm done with whatever, I'll get saved. Some Don't get saved when you think you can. Don't get saved when you think you will. Get saved when you know you can. Today is the day of salvation. You're not promised tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. Uh, Dave Spicer was just on the news talking about these, was it two guys that had overdosed on drugs? Do you think those guys planned to die that day? No. And you think, well, I'm okay. I'm not going to overdose on drugs. Well, Lydia just got her driver's license. You might die. <laughs> you never know. Lydia's my daughter, if you don't know. Um, you, you never know what's going to happen. We almost did a one call. Uh, Grace Baptist Church, be in prayer for Sydney. Lydia got her driver's license today. 
it's really important. You don't have any idea. So what time is it? It's time to get saved. But this text is more than that. You see, this text, it has to do with, with where we are in the history of the world. This is called the church age. This is the time when the preaching of the gospel, people hear the preaching of the gospel, they can respond to the preaching of the gospel as the Holy Spirit draws them to the Father. They can receive Christ, and when they receive Christ, the Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell in them and change them and make them new and give them eternal life. That, that's, the, that's the time. That's what time it is. But you know that that's going to end. We started the message with Jesus Christ could come today. He could come before this, this sermon is over. You, you never know when He's going to come. And today is the day to be saved. So in this day, in this time of gospel preaching and church planting, all right, what has God told us to be? Who are we? We know what time it is. We're in the church age. Jesus Christ established the church. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. And then He ascended to the right hand of the Father. And then, at Pentecost, He sent the Holy Spirit. And what He's doing right now is He's making intercession for us. Is that right? Now, I want you to notice something. Look at chapter 6 and verse 1. Who are we? We then... Do you see that word, we? We. Okay, everybody read that with me. Ready? We. All right. We then as... Now, I know this is a swear word for some people. It's okay to say this word in church. We then as workers. Who are we? We're workers. We're workers. Now, I'm thankful that I pastor in Sydney, Ohio, because no one needs to explain work to you guys. You're the hardest working people I've ever seen. I mean, we remember this, this, the lady that lived here before we bought this house? She would sweep her yard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the people that lived in, in the house that we live in now, the guy would, out by the street, he'd take a vacuum out and vacuum out by, the, out by Highway 47 because the gravel and stuff had come up during the... We don't do that. <laughs> That's a little crazy. All right? But, but people here, you guys understand what work is. And again, you're thinking, okay, I'm working so hard. I really do work hard to know God. I really do work hard at my job. I work hard at, um, at, at raising my family and keeping my home and doing things right. How many of you already? That's where you are, right? That's where you are. And yet, the Bible describes us as workers for Him. Look at what it says. We then as workers, oh my, together with Him. In another passage, in 1 Corinthians, it says that we are laborers together with God. So here we are workers and laborers. You know, when Doug, where's Doug? Doug, do you still throw around engine blocks or do you have... Uh, Okay, so you have peons to do that with what you used to do. Okay. So I remember telling this. The Bible talks about pastors. It says, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and in doctrine. And so I would ask myself this question. Do I work as hard in the word and in doctrine as Doug Schmidtmeyer does throwing engine blocks? I've always wondered who caught them. but it... <laughs> You guys work hard. 
You ladies, you work hard. You, you know what hard work is. Here the Bible says that we are, we, we then as workers together with Him beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. What does that mean? You've got to believe in something. You can't believe in nothing. And what you're believing in is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Who are we? We're workers. Why is that? Well, you have to go back to chapter 5 to really see that. Look at verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us, what's it say here? The ministry of of reconciliation. So what is ministry 2.0? Ministry 2.0 is all of us realizing that we are workers together in the ministry of God. And that ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. So Ty, come on up here and help me. Doug, come up here and help me. Nick, do you feel left out today? Okay. So, here's God. Long beard. I do think God has more hair. But, all right, so... Here's God. Here's Doug. A wicked, filthy, hellbound sinner. Here's my ministry. There you go. That's better. But we still need training. That's, that's what the ministry of reconciliation is. See, the Bible says that there's a wall, that, that there's a problem. And the problem between Doug and God is sin. Jesus Christ died on the cross to tear down that wall of separation. Those, the, the handwriting of ordinances that were written against us. And what did Jesus do? He took them and nailed them to the tree. All right. So my job is to tell Doug that that wall of separation, that that sin, that those, those, that those writings, that, that long account of sin, Jesus Christ cared for. God wants to be reconciled to Doug. And how is God going to do that? Through me. Thank you, guys. Now look at the text. This, this, look at what it says. Verse 18. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto... What's it say right there? Us, the word of reconciliation. Now then, what time is it? Now. Now then... We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. So who are we? Who are we? We're ministers. We're ministers who've been given a job. And that job is reconciliation. And how are we going to do that? We're going to do that when we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we're going to do it when we love our neighbors as ourselves. Right? So, what time is it? Well, it's the acceptable time of salvation. Getting saved in the tribulation period. If you're here and you've heard the gospel, you won't get saved in the tribulation. You can't. Now's the time. Now's the time. Who are we? We're ministers. We're workers together. So, the the concept is ministry is work. Ministry is work. 
All right? And then what are we to do? What are we to do? We are supposed to reconcile people to God. We're, we're to reconcile people to God. What does it mean to be a, a, a minister? The essence of new Christianity is outward. The nature of New Testament Christianity is outward. To make it about us inverts the pattern of New Testament Christianity. And, and this is, we're the I generation, the iPhone, the iPad, right? It's all about me, 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 me. And people will say this, you know, what, uh, what's, what do you have for this in the church? What do you have for this in the church? How many of this do you have in your church? Well, obviously that person is not looking for a place to minister. They're looking for a place to be ministered to. Right? Now here's the good news. We're supposed to be ministers to those people. Right? But they can't stay in that place. They need to become a minister. At some place, we need to move from a person that needs to be ministered to to a person who can minister to somebody else. Why? Because we are safe. We're free. We're okay. Here's the heart behind ministry 2.0. Here's the heart behind it. It's not about me. I'm safe. I'm free. It doesn't matter what what Grace Baptist has for me. What matters is what can we do for the people outside these walls? What can we do for the people outside here on Edgewood Street, over here on Wapak? What can we do for these people? We have to turn our focus outward. That's what ministry 2.0. What are we supposed to do? The Great Commission. If we love people, then we'll fulfill the Great Commission. If we love God and love people. The reaction. What am I supposed to do with this? What am I supposed to do with this? Well, what has Jesus done for me? So now we, we, we established already that Jesus Christ was the ransom for us. Right? But what did Jesus Christ do for you personally? You know that Christianity is not a corporate religion. It's an individual religion. You know, a dad can't get saved for his family. A dad gets saved, then it's his responsibility to see to it that the rest of the family is saved. Right? Christianity is a very individual religion. So here's the question. What has Jesus done for you? Has Jesus done anything for you? Did He save your soul? Yeah, are you free? Are you safe? Well, then what has Jesus called me to do? You'll know what Jesus Christ has called you to do by your giftedness. Some of you are great administrators. Some of you have have tremendous mercy. Some of you are really good at seeing truth and error. Some of you are great servants. You just love helping people. But do you know that evangelism is not a gift? It's a command. We're all supposed to do it. We're all supposed to tell other people about Jesus Christ. Here's the problem. Many churches have made this a program. So we have visitation. And visitation is when we tell people about Jesus. We don't do that at Grace Baptist. Here, what, are we, what, what has Jesus called me to do? What is my focus? Is my focus inward or is my focus outward? Is my focus inward or is my focus outward? What are we supposed to do? I need to realize that I am safe. Uh, Look with me at Matthew chapter 26. And look at verse 64. You know, a Christian saying, I'm tired of evangelism, that'd be like a linebacker saying, I'm tired of tackling. 
you know, and they all play for the Browns. It's really a sad thing, but it would, it would be, it doesn't make any sense. It's like a chef saying, I'm tired of cooking. It's it, it just a, a contractor, I'm tired of building. Well, then you can't be a contractor. As a Christian, you can't be a Christian and not be a part of evangelism. The gospel is more than salvation. The gospel is the heart of the Christian life. It's who we are. So let's look at what God has said that we are to do. So we're at Matthew chapter 26. Look at verse 64. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. All right, so this is the scope of the church age. Jesus Christ ascends and he sits on the right hand of the Father. And then he returns in glory. Right? That's, so that's the parameters of the church age. What's in between? Let's look at the verse. Hereafter, middle of verse 64, shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. What's in between? Nothing. Nothing. You see, ministry has not changed since Jesus Christ ascended to heaven. Our job is exactly the same. Whether we have screens, whether we have padded seats and lights and... Uh, PA systems, you know, we can have Facebook and the internet and Twitter and all of these social media things that we're, we're the part of Ministry 2.0 is incorporating some of that to reaching our community. We can have billboards, we can have all those things. Do you know that the disciples didn't have iPads? I know, shocking. Right? They didn't have radios. They didn't even have eight tracks. And yet the gospel went around the world. Right? You see, here's our problem. We think that Jesus Christ and his disciples were doing ministry the best way they could with first century means. But now we, in the 21st century, man, have we got a leg up on them. No. No. God's plan is still the same. Love God. Love your neighbor. So here, love the one true God. Love your neighbor. Carry out the Great Commission. It's never changed. So what is ministry 2.0? Great commandment, Great Commission. How's that for new? <laughs> now, in that, we're going to take advantage of every bit of technology. Um, I, I do, I'd love to have billboards. And I, I want people to know they would need a picture of me on the front preaching. <laughs> With Pastor Laura. I, I want us to, to get the name of Grace Baptist out there. I want everybody to know who we are. I want everybody to know who we are. And what I want them to know is they are people that love God, they love His Word, and they love our community. And what community? It could be Troy. It could be Piqua. It could be McCartyville. It could be uh, uh, Wapakoneta. It could be all of the areas in between. It, all of these places need Christ. And we have the answer. How is that going to happen? Here's the issue in churches. You have a small core of people doing the work. And the church will never grow beyond the capacity of that small core to do ministry. What God wants us to do is all of us to be workers together so that the core grows and then the church grows. And I want you to know something. What I'm preaching this morning, it's not about church growth. 
Now, I do believe God is growing our church. Look, there's hardly any empty seats. Last week, there weren't two empty seats together. All right? So, praise God for that growth. That's not what this is about. This is about us preparing ourselves to be what God wants us to be and to do what God wants us to do. That's ministry 2.0. So, here's what's going to happen. Over the next five months, we are going to be dividing up the church into teams. Some of the teams are already in place, like the, the music team. And you know, Nick and Maureen and, and others who, who work, Pastor Nathan, with our music team. But our music isn't where any of us who are involved in it want it to be yet. Right? So how are we going to do that? Bringing more people into the team. Amen? That's the idea. Uh, we have a children's ministry team, and, and Justin does a great job with a lot of our children's ministry things. Um, Justin, is our children's ministry where we want it to be? No. No. How is it going to be when we bring more people into it? And so we have other areas of ministry, and here's what I'm going to do. Um, Aiden, come on up here. How old are you? Uh, 14. It is a sin for a 14-year-old to be this big. <laughs> okay. Now, here is, here is what... You, uh, uh, some of you are worried about where I'm taking you with this message. Here's where I'm taking you. I'm going to walk up to you and I'm going to say, Hey, Aiden, here, here's a need that we have. Will you help with this? That's what I want to prepare yourself for. That's what I want you... Thank you. That's what I want you to prepare yourself for. The shoulder tap. People are going to be running and hiding. Oh, no, there's Pastor Jim. <laughs> and here's the idea. If I am to be a witness, if that's my job, if I'm to be a witness, we're, you know, we will have periodic times where we'll get door hangers out or whatever, all right? And, and we all need to be a part of that. That's not what being a witness is. A witness is when you have a barbecue that you have a lost family there. That's what being a witness is. That, so when you have a barbecue, do you know what you have? You have a Christian barbecue. That means you, you don't barbecue a Christian. <laughs> but but it, when you have a graduation party, it's, it's a Christian graduation party. When you have a wedding, it's a Christian wedding. When, when you have a get-together in your home, it's a Christian get-together. When all of you, you nerds get together to watch the new Star Wars, you, you, you invite some lost person, and then in your conversation with that, you talk about Jesus. Luke represents Christ. Darth represents the Satan. No, that's not it at all. But, but do you see what I'm talking about? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? It's that we are fully orbed Christians. That everything about us is toward Christ. If I love Him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, then if I'm a school teacher, then I teach through the love of Jesus Christ. And my students know that the number one thing in my life is my ministry for Jesus Christ. I love Him, and that's why I love them. That's what we're talking about. And then as you have opportunity, you give the gospel. And, you know, what's funny is sometimes you live a life that when you give the gospel, people go, you're saved? <laughs> we can't be that way. I knew there was something different. I knew that there was. Your kids, can I tell you something? Coming to Grace Baptist Church and doing what is taught here, you'll have a better marriage. How many of you know people that need a better marriage? Coming here, you'll, if you do what's taught here through the Word of God and discipleship, 
you'll do a better job raising your kids. How many of you know people that need to do a better job raising their kids? And all the teachers said, yeah. Right? If you come here, you'll know better how to handle your finances. If you come here, more important than any of that, you'll know Jesus. Now, you don't have to come here to know Jesus. But if you get saved, you come here, get saved, you'll know Jesus better than if you didn't come here. That's the whole point of church. We're not the only place you can get that. I'm not saying we're the only ones. What I'm saying is that is the purpose of this one. That's what we're supposed to do. And the world is hurting. The, it is a world of hurt. And all of you, all of you kids in high school have friends who are going through, that. you know that their parents are getting divorced. And you know there's trouble in the home. And you know some of these kids, they don't fit in and they feel like they're alone. You know people like that. Your job is to love them and lead them to Jesus Christ. That is your job. All of us, we are just supposed to live as Christians. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Be a Christian. So here's my question. Number one, are you free? Are you safe? If you're not saved, none of this other stuff matters. You've got to get saved. But if you are saved and you are safe, do you have an attitude? Ministry is about me. It might be neutral. I never really thought about it. Is that focus? No, that's not focus. Focus is ministry is about me looking out and telling people what Jesus has done for me. So now, it is going to take some time. As we redo these ministries and, and we are building these teams, we're going to ask you to give yourself to something. So what do you need to do over the next five months? You need to start preparing your schedule to make sure that you have time for God and His work. Why? Because of what He's done for you and because of what He has called you to do. Amen? That is ministry 2.0. So be ready for the shoulder tap. You might be, it might be four months from now and you're saying, Pastor hadn't asked me to do anything. Don't worry. That just means we haven't gotten to your ministry yet. My goal is for everyone in this room to be active. Well, the Stevens are going to be in Missouri. But, but other than, I, everyone in this room, you need to be actively involved in ministry. You need to be actively involved in ministry. You need to be using the gifts that God has given you for His glory. Amen? And that begins as soon as you step out of this building, realizing that you need to have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. My job is to be a witness in this world. It's not, to, it's not to, I walk around like this every day, and once a week I put on the coat of a witness. No, 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 no. It's I am a witness. That's my job. That's my job. That's what God has called me to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Grace Baptist Church. Lord, we don't deserve anything that you've given us.